Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. What's up, Ray? Hello, Tristan. How's it going, man? I'm doing okay. Can we uh, talk about why we're back on the internet? For anybody who might have um, heard our podcast last week, it was a little... We're in a transition, Tristan. It sounded like we were out in eastern Kentucky in one of the abandoned mine shafts. Yeah. And now that, ironically enough, is your favorite bar, right? The mine shaft in Lexington? It is. It is, yes. <laughs> is that a gay so, bar? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the joke. Actually, uh, Leno, I, I heard Leno talk at one time about his uh, comedic career, and he said he had played at this place called the Mine Shaft, and it was a gentleman's club, a titty bar. And the dudes, they gave them, actually gave them miners' helmets with lights on them. So you could I've shine the various parts of the woman's body. And yeah. You have. And he's doing stand-up, and it's like it was the worst worst thing he ever did because they want nothing to do with some young guy telling jokes. They want the women's. Yeah, that, that's not a good gig, I would say. No. Yeah. No. But no. Comed- oh, go ahead. Oh no! I was just gonna say. So to your point, yeah, we're we're doing another um, another show online here on Riverside because we are still right. tweaking the studio. And if you listen to last week's show, yeah, it sounds like the mine shaft indeed. And uh, I will take the blame. I think as the de facto tech guy, I'm far too old and too uh, technologically unadvanced to ever have that role. So, yeah, I think um, our sound was a little off, and the room had, had a little echo that we're going to have to work on as well. But I think if either of those two things are fixed, we, we should be in good shape there at, uh, at Bad Wolf. Yeah, I mean, we're equally to blame. And, and we can blame Troy because he set the bar so high for us, and things sounded so wonderful. Because now that we've started doing this, we're each listening to, you know, any number of podcasts. And some of them, frankly, sound, obviously not the professionals like Marin and Conan, but some of the folks like us don't sound very good. And we always did, Tristan. I think that's what was, dis- not necessarily the content, but the quality, which yes. was thanks to Troy, not us. And, <laughs> exactly. Um, it, was, it, it, it was a little heartbreaking to hear us sounding like some of the other meatheads out there. Yeah, so definitely looking forward to getting that right. And and again, he's remote at this point, but Troy has definitely done more than his part in trying to walk us through uh, how to fix everything, including uh, yes. idiot-proof videos that somehow I can still mess up. But yes, look in the future for us to sound much better than we did last week. But yes, it's a work in progress, and uh, better sound is around the corner. Yeah, absolutely right. It is still fun, and hopefully we've... Got our couple of listeners still hanging in there with us. I, I get some feedback here and there from people. I had a, I swear this is a true story. I had a, I, I've got to do the, I won't name the name, but I do have to do the southern accent because he's a pretty much of a country fella. And I guess somebody had told him we're doing a podcast. I'm doing a podcast, whatever. And he actually approached me and said, Ray, you're a pretty smart fella. You're a pretty smart fella. <laughs> And I was like, well, thanks, man. I'll take that as a compliment. Nice. So he actually listened and liked oh. what he heard. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, you know, who 
fucking say. Oh my goodness! Can I tell you one other quick funny story that that um, I, it, it was just something that happened the other day. All right, so you get here the Galaxy, and it is not uncommon for a vehicle to be left in the parking lot. Someone who had a little too much the night before got a ride home, which is a good thing to do. So our our maintenance guy Cliff, who's an older, he's older than me. He's a real quirky character, as nice as can be, but he's he's in everybody's business. And I guess he looked in the window of this car and he said, "Ray, Ray, check this out." And Cliff is ultra conservative, but we get along famously. We're we're wonderful. He's a big Trump guy, and you know, MAGA and the whole deal. So uh, he looks in. And, well, he opens the door. I'm like, Cliff, you shouldn't open the door, man. But anyway, he does. There's an there's an empty case of Mick. Uh, uh, Mick Ultras. There's a half drunk case of Bud. Now this is in the cab of the of the truck. <laughs> in the back are a bunch of empties, a pair of camouflaged hunting boots, and on the floor, I shit you not, of the seat is a box of shotgun shells. And I oh, say to wow. Cliff, you, I say to Cliff, you know what this truck is, Cliff? This is the truck of a Trump voter. Oh, come on now, he says. I said, here's my guest, tr- uh, uh, Cliff. He probably doesn't vote, but if he's voting, he's voting for Donald, not Joseph. <laughs> yeah, that's a Was safe I wrong? bet. That's a safe bet, man. That's <laughs> a pretty safe bet. I don't know that there's a lot of camo Budweiser's in the floor, a lot of shotgun shell guys that are going, get me AOC immediately. I'm a, I'm a big AOC supporter. <laughs> That's, you know, some stereotypes are true, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of lot of lot of truth in that one, unfortunately. And man, that kid gets pulled over, leaving alone, leaving aside the ammo, which I'm sure is fine. But you can't. It's not 1978, Tris, and we used to drive around with empties, but it was a much more lax time. The cop pulls this guy over. He's like, "Come on, pal, you got to be kidding me!" Oh yeah, that's he's going straight to jail. Oh, my God. It was something. All right. So um, that said, uh, thank our sponsors. Daniel, even though we're not there today, we, we thank you. Because even Dan texted me and said, uh, hey, did you hear that? It didn't sound <laughs> great. I was like, yes, yes, I did, Dan. We're blaming your room. But you as know, you said, we'll figure that out. And um, you say you've got some plans th- this evening to see our friend Aaron. Yeah, actually going to, to hang out with Aaron and his lovely wife this afternoon. We're going to go eat all-you-can-eat shrimp at Red Lobster and uh, have a couple Long Island iced teas, I'm told. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, it should that be sounds, a pretty nice that, night. That sounds great. That sounds great. And, and you all know right, the, brother. Well, what's on the... Oh, I'm sorry. Well, no, you know, the extra disappointing about that show and the sound quality is I actually felt like in the moment that that was a really good show. So... That was what was extra disappointing, I think. It was a fun conversation that will now sort of go down in history as the Echo Show. Yep, I, I agree with you. Yeah. And yeah. I was thinking the other day, we've really not had a guest in quite a while, and that's not just because you and I are full of ourselves. I mean, we do enjoy this and can kill uh, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour pretty easily, but um, it's also part of this transition. It's just been diff- difficult getting guests because we're never exactly sure what the logistics are going to be, so we will get back to guests because we've got a, a few good people lined up. Uh, I had mentioned my nephew, who's a trial attorney in D.C., who's uh, who has agreed to come on. I've got a friend over at EKU who works in athletics who uh, has agreed to come on, So, and I know you're always working on, on getting people in, so we'll, we'll have some guests. Yeah, and I think, too, what, what will help that is we need to, before we click off on Riverside today, we need to know when our next show is, because I think I kind of procrastinate on some of this stuff, and then 
try to throw it together last minute. I think if I knew exactly when we're doing it, it it'll be a little easier to, to, to plan on either guests or no guests and maybe have a little bit more pre-show prep done, which I always like to do a little bit of. Sure. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. So what's on the docket for today? Do we know? You know what? I wrote down just three things this week that I wanted your take on, but I was thinking you had a, a main topic uh, this week. And actually, before we, well, we do that, I would like to just say again, uh, thank you to Bad Wolf Gaming and now the Bad Wolf Gaming Studios. Uh, thanks to uh, Troy, of course. Uh, thanks to Aaron at Breapon, and thanks to Stoveleg Media. We always forget to thank Nate, so thank you so much. Absolutely right. Yep. All doing Tro- Troy great at Front job Porch Studios. Sorry about that. Troy at Front Porch Studios. My my uh, uh, imaginary producer just whispered in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yes, thank you to all those guys. Good good folks. Yeah. All they do the best good. they can do with the two of us, yeah, which is a hard job at best. That's work. That's work in and of itself. Yes, indeed. So uh, yeah. Uh, so what are you what are you thinking? Uh, well. You know, first Monday in October is always a notable day. Uh, you know, second Tuesday in November is Election Day uh, every other year. And then, well, I guess every year, because some, some states like Kentucky have off-year elections, you know, odd-year elections. But uh, sec, uh, first Monday in October is when the Supreme Court seats, which is not a bad gig. They're done in June. It's like a school teacher, only you make four times the money. Um, now, again, these are justices who earned this i'm just having a little bit of fun but you're done the last week of june so you're off all of july all of august all of september and you're back to work the first of october that's a pretty sweet gig that's not bad that's not bad yeah i would take that (laughs) and they usually they usually give speeches and make a little more money while they're out but um it's a it's a really interesting docket because we know with the Roe decision or the Dobbs decision that it's a, it's a conservative court, you know, I think six three really if you look at it. Uh, plus, uh, Justice Jackson was seated Monday, so the, that's history making in that she's the first African American woman ever on the court. Um, and say what you want, it is a diverse court. You know, there are. Two African-Americans with her and Clarence Thomas, and this is off the top of my head. I'm not writing this down, so I apologize. There's uh, Justice Sotomayor, who is Hispanic. There is um, uh, Kagan. So there's, I think for the first time, Trisden, there is a minority of white men on the U.S. Supreme Court. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, because you got Kavanaugh and Roberts, um, and uh, Gorsuch, uh, I think it's five. I think it's five to four. I think there's four white men and and five non-white men, um, which is which is fascinating. Because if you look at any bit of history, it's so it's so great. Because I know you're a history lover too. And if you look at any old videotape, be it the Supreme Court, be it the House of Representatives, be it the President's Cabinet, what do you see, man? In in America's history, you see nothing but old freaking white guys. Do you not? No, that's exactly right. You gather any large group of people making decisions, and it certainly in the past, in any black and white photo, you're looking at a lot of white dudes. Almost exclusively. I mean, there might <laughs> yeah. be a woman, and very, very rarely an African-American person. And, and you know, this is my lifetime. This is the, you know, this would be the 60s. Uh, starts to change a little, but very incrementally in the 70s. 80s and and now you know so for those who say we never make any progress now you have a supreme court that for the first time is a minority 
white men in power, which, you know, which again, Tristan, I guess, plays into so much of this stuff. There's people like you and I who would say, man, thumbs up, that's a sign of progress. And there's people who would say, yeah, not so much. And they might not openly say it, but they would think it, I think. Yeah, no, I think that sort of goes back to uh, Ted Cruz's thoughts on uh, the newest justice, uh, which was basically Jackson, Jackson when uh, Biden said he was going to nominate a black woman for the for the you know Supreme Court, and Ted Cruz was uh, was furious, saying that it should have nothing to do with color. We shouldn't pick out that we're going to put a, a person of color in the Supreme Court. It should just be based on nothing but you know merit which obviously she was certainly overqualified and had all the merit in the world as well as to happen to be african-american but it it you know and i'm sure there's a lot of people that echoed ted's ted's thoughts that it that uh it should have nothing to do with what somebody looks like but to me that also sort of says let's just keep it the way it is and let's have all white guys as opposed to let's really make a a targeted effort to find the most qualified african-american woman well, it's either that or it is, uh, you know, this is where uh, the appeal is so good on the conservative side because I would agree with Ted Cruz. That makes sense. Nobody is going to argue that the person with the most qualification should be the person who's hired. However, in the case of the government, which is the one entity in America that does work to right wrongs, and, and then the rest of us follow along, and, and, and that's just the fact. I mean, Truman uh, desegregates the Army in 1952. You know, when my dad served in World War II, the U- United States troops were segregated, Tristan. White and Unreal. black guys didn't serve together in World War II. I and Truman desegregated, yes, de- Truman desegregated the Army in 50 or 52. And if you look at the United States Army, it really is a marvelous example of, of, of black excellence. And, and, and black, because it was a place where black folks, people of color, were given an opportunity to succeed and, be, and, and, and excel and be successful. And they, and they largely have. So I think that doesn't take any of that into account. So if, if, if Ted Cruz is talking about only the people with the most merit in a world where things are equitable we would all agree but what you first have to say is but senator all due respect there is no equality right we're working towards it all the time but it's still a place of white privilege now that's where you get into those arguments right and those discussions because ah screw all that stuff you know take the person you know and i always go back to that story from um uh, Soledad O'Brien, who is a CNN anchor, I've told you this before, and she went to Harvard. And she's probably a little bit younger than me, so she's probably at Harvard in the 80s. And a lot of people at Harvard were telling her that she was there only because she was black. And it was upsetting her. And she's telling this story now. So she called her grandmother, who was still alive, elderly woman, probably in her late 70s, 80, and she was her confidant, very instrumental in her life. And she said, Grandma, these kids are telling me that I'm only here because I'm black. What should I do about that? And her grandmother said, Soledad, you tell them that's a lot better than when you couldn't be at Harvard because you were black. Man, that's great. I think that's great. And yeah. that says a lot. And is Ted Cruz going to argue with that? Or is he going to tell you, oh, well, that's you're right, that that was a thing, but that's all completely behind us now. Because if you say that's all completely behind us now, you're just full of shit. You're missing yeah. something, right? Agreed. Yeah, and here's something else, too. Look, there's going to be 
I mean, I, this number is arbitrary. There's probably 400 people, judges, what have you, that are completely qualified um, to be a Supreme Court justice, given, I don't know, you know the correct uh, person to be nominated, or you know, you're know you basically in the right place at the right time. So I think if you say that, that there's probably 400-ish judges or people in the U.S. that could handle that job exceedingly well. But a minority group has never been represented in the country uh, or has been underrepresented in the country. And you say, well, we're going to make an effort to find a person. Now, again, you're not going to take a horrible judge and make them a Supreme Court justice because they happen to be black or Latino or whatever minority position you're trying to fill, female, what have you. But if somebody is, you know, I'm sure by all accounts as good or better. And I think that's one of the things a black person will tell you throughout history. It's not about being equal to get some of these great jobs and great positions. You've got to be better than the white person that you're going against to, right. to achieve some of these levels. So I'm sure if you took her, her, uh, history and background and, and put them up against some of the, the other folks, I'm sure she, she's probably head and shoulders above some of the folks throughout history that have been nominated to the court as white men. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, I have no problem with that. But again, as we say, some folks who look like us do, and that is part of the rub, you know, with where we find ourselves. And I do understand Cruz's argument, to repeat myself, which my wife tells me I do too much. Well, I can it's never utter argument. that phrase. It's a, it's a hard argument to... To, it, it's a it's a hard thing to argue against what Ted Cruz says. Again, it's why the appeal of conservatism is so strong. Because say, goddamn right, it should be all about the merit. Right? Yes, it should, taking into account everything else. Right. And that's it, where I think we left of center folks um, sometimes get ourselves into trouble because people don't want to hear that. Tris and I go back to my fucking story about the Marines on September 14th. They didn't want to hear from some jagoff who wasn't even a Marine saying, hey, do you guys ever think why these Arabs flew these fucking planes into the buildings? What have we done to piss them off that much? No, never thought about it. Don't want to think about it. Don't give a shit about it. Okay, lesson learned. Put me in my place. Doesn't mean I still can't ask that question. Doesn't mean that's not the way I can view the world. But I guess I have to understand that that ain't the way everybody's going to view the world, right? Right. No, I, I think uh, there's a lot of people that um, you just want to accept what you want to accept. You know, if you're a, a Biden guy and that's just what you want and that's how you're going to be forever. You don't want somebody giving you information that are going to make that's going to make you question your loyalty. And of course, that's you know been proven pretty clear with uh, Donald Trump and and some of this stuff uh, in the MAGA crowd, too. You Look, there, all the evidence in the world isn't going to make some people see anything differently than their view. And that's just the way it is. And, you know, you can't really have a, a conversation with those folks. You know, you're trying to find the 30, 40, 50 percent in the middle that are open to ideas and change and trying to understand why maybe a, a Katanji Brown wasn't a Supreme Court justice or could never have been a Supreme Court justice 60, 70 years ago, but is now getting that opportunity. And again, I'm not saying she's less qualified than anybody. I bet, you know, I'm no Supreme Court expert, but I bet if you hold her qualifications up, the right would have ate her up if she was unqualified, and they did not. It was a relatively easy process to get her, you know, to get her into the court. So if right. there was any flaws, if there was right. cracks in her armor, it would have came out, believe me. Right. 
Right. So I'm sure she's as much or more qualified than any, than any person that's ever been in that court. And I say that with zero evidence, but I just bet having watched some of the confirmation, look, if there were, were reasons, they would have been exposed. What's, what's the Bill Maher bit? I, 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 I'm not saying it's true. I just know it is. <laughs> yeah, right. I can't so, prove it yet. So, yeah, I can't prove it. Right. But so speaking of the court, some big issues in front of them. As I said, of course, last year, everything culminated with that Dobbs decision and you know, that's still going to be instrumental in the election coming up and now just really a month away, uh, 8th of November. Um, but they're dealing with uh, gerrymandering in um, in a North Carolina um, case where they're being challenged. Um, you, you know, these gerrymandered districts have really become a thing, and I guess it's always existed, and both sides do it. When Dems, Dems are in power, they do it. When Repubs are in power, they do it. It seems Republicans are a little more effective. But, you know, they carve these districts out where you ensure that one person is going to stay in power or one group is going to stay in power. And it seems a little odd to, to, to observers of politics, and it's getting worse. So, so they're going to deal with gerrymandering. They're going to deal with affirmative action again which is, I believe, uh, it's along the lines of, you know, another Asian uh, individual saying that they're discriminated against because they don't, they, they limit the number of Asians in some of the Ivy League schools, which, you know, again, back to Ted Cruz's argument, you, everybody should be based on merit, but if they don't do that, it's going to be 50, 60 percent Asians. And so, yeah, there is some of that. They're ruling on that. And then LGBTQ rights are back in play where somebody has brought a suit again, saying that they don't want to necessarily perform services for a gay union, a gay wedding, and they've got to go all the way to the Supreme Court. So there's going to be some interesting cases that Judge Brown gets to gets to sit on. Yeah, and I think that's one of those things that, you know, like every five years, probably every time there's a new Supreme Court justice, that, that case pops up. Somebody doesn't want to make a fucking case yeah. for, you know, Seems whomever. And it's, uh, you know, <laughs> It's like, oh, we got some new blood. We're bringing the, the fucking cake people from Colorado back. It just always happens. What a dumb, you know, I get it. I get that it's uh, to set a precedent, but what a dumb thing to be mad about. You know, I don't want to make a cake for these people, but, you know, I don't know. I guess there's a certain point if I was, uh, you know, if I had a cake shop and the local Nazi chapter, you know, wanted me to make a cake, I also would want the freedom to say, go fuck yourself. So... I mean, again, I think it's your business. You ultimately get to decide, but then the public gets to decide what they think of you. If you don't want to make a cake for a Nazi, you're probably at least in most circles, or that's going to be an okay thing. But there's a lot of people that would be disappointed if you didn't want to make a cake for a Mexican person or a Muslim or whoever. So, you know, you've just got to suffer the consequences of your choices, I think, with that. See, now you just may have gotten yourself in trouble with with someone like our friend Brandon, because you just equated, and I know you didn't, but it could be taken this way, um, swastikas and homosexuality, right? Because you said, oh, no, well, God, I no. wouldn't make it no, for no, I, I, no, I guess, I let, let, no, well, let, me, let me say what, what I meant, so before that we get off topic. Sure. No, I, ju I just think if you're making a cake, you may be asked to, to go against something that's against your religion. So again, if you're a, a super ultra Christian conservative and you don't believe in homosexuality, then that may be, you know, that's a, a thing that you feel like is against your religion to you. Now, obviously, I think most of us think, look, let's all just get along. 
I don't think anybody's saying homosexuals aren't peaceful, you know. But yeah, obviously to say a Nazi or some something like that. I mean, that's not a peaceful group of people. That's uh, you know an angry, murderous, often mob that you know needs to to be, yes. So not equating homosexuality. I'm just giving different examples of things that people may not want to bake a cake for. Not no, that they're I, similar I, I, in I, any way. Yes, to I get that, but it's just so funny how things get spun and twisted. I can remember years back, and, and my brother wound up intervening. It was a Thanksgiving night, and I'm talking, you know, 10 or 15 years back. It was, it was when the Catholic Church scandal was so in the news. And, you know, I grew up in a Catholic household, and I was in my cups. It was Thanksgiving night, and my sister was there. My oldest sister, Kathy, was married for, give or take, 20 years had two children, one of whom is my nephew who's going to come on the show with us. She divorced her husband, Mark, and she's been with Mary 30 years. And, um, and, and you know, I always said, who am I to judge? Not that I would. Kathy is so much happier with uh, Mary than she ever was with Mark. And my kids grew up with Aunt Mary and Aunt Kathy. Everything's cool. But Mary is a little more um, proud, uh, I would say a little more maybe of a feminist, but, you know, you get yourself in trouble with your choice of words. So uh, I, I was going to say a little more militant than is Kathy, but she stands up for her rights and so forth. And so we're having this discussion, and perhaps I'm not making it well because I'm a little bombed, and, and, I, and, and I've always thought that that whole Catholic Church scandal was less pedophilia than it was homosexuality. And I say that because most of the priests weren't going up after eight-year-old kids. They were going after 15- and 16-year-olds. And I know that's still terribly wrong, but there is a difference pre-puberty, post-puberty, right? There, there, there just is. So I always thought it was homosexuality, not child predating, which is what you know a lot of people said, that they're predators. No, I think they're, they're homosexuals. And she took that so wrong and said that I was equating the two, which I wasn't. But then I, I wasn't making the point. She was getting more and more angry, threatening to leave. And Tommy was like, Buzz, you got to stop. This is just not going anywhere. And I was I've, like, I've right, never cool, known I'm you to, to make it's, those it's, types of points. <laughs> but, you know, people can take you wrong. They just can. And you don't mean it that way. I was not at all inferring that homosexuality was equivalent in any way to pedophilia, because I think you and I would both agree pedophilia is, I think Brandon would agree, I know he would, pedophilia is a little twisted. I've often said that about people who say, uh, uh, well, they, I don't want my child to, uh, uh, you know, a, a parent saying, I don't want my child to be taught by a homosexual man. What is the difference between a homosexual man and a heterosexual man until they act on it? You know, if a heterosexual man acts on his inkling for a, a female, then he's wrong in the same way that a homosexual acting on an inkling for a young child is wrong. So until there's an action, what, what are you even talking about? So, uh, and you would agree with me that homosexuality is what it is. The world, it's existed in the world forever. We're fine with it and we go on. Uh, pedophilia, eh, that's a little different. Of a little different. No, I think you're underplaying the, the horribleness of pedophilia. But I think one of the things that was really powerful and stuck out with me on one of our earlier shows when we had Brandon on, and I was just telling him today, we're hopefully we'll have him back in studio as a guest real soon. Uh, but I think one of the things about homosexuality that I didn't realize as a straight man is that people always equate homosexuality and pedophilia. So I think that's one of those things that maybe your sister-in-law was really dealing with during this conversation is she's dealing with somebody else that's 
intermingling the two in conversation and they're so different, but I think it's just, it's been one of those things that it's just not been accepted in society. So people were, who were in the closet, you know, weren't able to come out and, and talk in a, you know, in a way about pedophilia as they can now and say, look, we equally hate pedophilia. Pedophilia is awful. But, you know, again, the homosexual community hasn't really been represented that well until what man, maybe 20, 30 years and in progressive places. So yes, I mean, I think every normal rational person, gay or straight realizes how awful pedophilia is. And then I think, yeah, I think to your point about the Catholic church, I think there was plenty of both. I think there was a lot of sexual deviantation uh, going on in there. I think it's, it's ridiculous to have grown men who can't, be with women or men or whoever they want to be with. So then they're, that's not an excuse to molest children, but I think that's who they were around and they were, you know, obviously pretty messed up in the head to, to do that as well. But it was, you know, they weren't allowed to have wives or girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever. And they, you know, some of them were probably were probably most of them were pedophiles. But then to your point, some were probably just getting with these older people, 16, 17, 18, whatever, maybe even older than that. And then, yeah, it's then it becomes probably they were just homosexuals and were attracted to this person or they were straight and attracted to this person. There's a lot of wrong all over the place. It's probably a whole show to try and, you know, get into the nuance of that. But yeah, I think there's just a lot of, lot of wrong, awful shit going on in the Catholic church with, uh, in regard to that. Oh man, there was. And I, you know, it, it was nothing new. I read a book called Angela's Ashes, uh, which is very, very popular. So familiar. Years back. Yeah. Frank, Frank O'Court. Uh, yeah. Frank, Frank, yeah. Mick Court. And he, McCourt, he passed yeah. away a few years back, but he, um, he talks about coming over to the United States in the 50s from Ireland, and he's a young kid in 1952, and the priest goes after him at church one day and then tells him that what just transpired is a mortal sin, and if you tell anyone, you're going to hell. I mean, it's like a 12-year-old kid in 1952. So, I, you know, this is probably nothing new, unfortunately. Maybe he was oh, 14, whatever he was, young enough yes. to still be... You know, so, so he did molest the thing. kid, and in the I book? guess some of it is the power, right? I guess he did what? So I'm he, sorry, he did molest the boy in the book. I I haven't read it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like he sodomized him or anything, but he grabbed his private parts and told him that, um, you know, this was a sin that just happened, and you're responsible for the sin. And that that was the point McCourt was making that. The priest was held in such high esteem within the, the household and the community and the church that you dared not utter a word to anybody about it because you weren't going to get any support. Your mother was right. going to tell you that you were wrong and, and you're, you know, anybody. It just was, you know, and that's really, that's really the terrible part of the whole thing is when you wield that kind of power over people and take advantage of them, that's just awfully shitty. Yeah. Boy, there was a lot of that. I mean, I've just seen enough true crime stuff on, uh, you know, based on some of these Catholic church crimes. And there was just so much of that kids coming home, telling their mom and dad, look, this is what happened. And they're like, ah, oh, you're out of your mind. The pastor would never father. Johnny would never do that. Whatever. So yeah, it's so, it's, you know, such a horrible stain on religion in general, but certainly the Catholic church and, and so much of that organization. Yeah. But I mean, it obviously existed outside the confines of church too. I mean, that whole notion of the uh, patriarchy of the madman patriarchy. I remember my brother, and I've never seen Mad Men. No reflection on the show. I just never got around to watching it. I know what it was about, and of course, it made John Hamm. But um, 
you know, Tommy watched it for maybe a season, and he said, man, if things were like that, you know, F those guys. I really was a, a bit uncomfortable because it was just the old boys network drinking their three or four martinis at lunch, coming back from lunch, grab-assing the secretary and doing whatever basically they wanted, treated their wives like shit. And that was sort of all accepted. I mean, I, I think JFK was really the sort of, uh, you know, he, he was like the figure then. If you think about him in office from 60 to 63, you know, the Kennedys were held in high esteem in my Irish Catholic household. But JFK was kind of a retrobate. I mean, he was very much a misogynist, very much a womanizer, no real respect for his own wife, and it was sort of reflective of what was happening at that time. And the biggest thing, Trizen, no ramifications from it. It was sort right. of like, ah, oh, that's part of the old boys network. Yeah, no, I think uh, it's probably the beginning of that old boys will be boys type of uh, uh, attitude towards exactly. a lot of things that men Damn, did. I mean, what happened to those days, Triz? Oh, man. Come on. Can't we go back to the good old days? Make America great again, for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's sad to think about it. You know, I can't imagine. I mean, it, we've both been so blessed to grow up in white middle class or white poor America for me, but just having not been a part of, you know, so much of that nastiness. But it's it's hard to imagine growing up a woman in the 50s or 60s. You know, it's, it's almost, um, you know, you right. think of it almost like some of these – Saudi Arabian type countries with women are just second class citizens and it's oh you were raped well what were you wearing or oh your husband hit you well what did you do wrong you know I mean I think attitudes right. finally have, have come along on some of that but man I bet you're not going back very far before the women who and maybe still to this day you know you come forward after being raped and it's like well how much did you drink and what were you doing there and man why were you in his room man going into a man's room does not give you the right to touch somebody that doesn't want to be touched i mean it's and it's fascinating how long this has went on now i guess you know to throw a an asterisk at the end of that please women if you're listening be careful because just because people shouldn't do bad things doesn't mean they won't and you see it all the time you know you should be able to get a ride home with somebody from the bar doesn't mean it's a good decision so you know there's that also please right. be safe but yeah of course it doesn't give men the right to act that way and you see it all the time and you see women won't don't even want to go to court just because it brings more shame to them to, to come out with something that happened versus the man who did this awful crime right yep so I yeah so, i mean and, and it, now good to have been a white man you know for most of my life <laughs> and they're, they're white privilege at its finest well it still ain't bad no, no. Well, I just meant most of my life is in part of my life. I've been Jewish and most of it. I've just been a white guy. So there's been little of both for me. Right. Yeah, it's 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 endlessly observable. Yeah, it's <laughs> All fascinating. Of these changes and, you know, watching. Yeah. Watching history unfold quite literally. Um, speaking of which, you, I don't right? know if it's historical, but uh, by a little, little change of topic, but Biden, yeah, please. Yeah, so, well, this is kind of on the heels of what we're talking about. Now, this, to me, could be a little bit of an overcorrection on some of this stuff. Now, you could tell me what you think. I think you're going to jump all over this topic. And I just, uh, this was from, I, I saw it on Bill Maher, but I guess this was a pretty big deal news story last week. I hope you saw it. You could reference it. Uh, Tony Blevins, the CEO at Apple. Uh, did you see this? I did. So Tony Blevins, did. Uh, yes. app, a, a big wig Apple CEO, 
uh, was fired last week because he was on a TikTok. Now, there's a little guy on TikTok that runs around. If he sees somebody in a nice car, he throws a microphone in your face and says, what do you do for a living? And uh, he's pretty well known on TikTok. So this guy, Tony Blevins, an Apple CEO, when, he, when asked on TikTok what you do for a living, said, I have rich cars, I fondle big-breasted women, and I play golf. Now, it was a joke, and it was taken from the movie Arthur, which was big probably around the year I was born. I get the movie Arthur. Yes, Arthur, I, I remember the actor, although his name eludes me right now. You could probably pull it Dudley right out. Moore. Dudley Moore. There you go. So he was obviously quoting this movie. He was definitely just joking, but he's a CEO at Apple. Can you say that? I mean, have we just gone too far with jokes, or is that – look, you just yes. can't say I fondle big-breasted women. No matter what, I, apparently you can't. But it's 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 taken from a movie. It's very funny. And actually, he left out the the, the best part of that, the, uh, Arthur, when he said he said I I drive fancy cars, I fondle big breasted women. He, he when he was asked what he did for a living, he said, "But I'm my own boss, and I have weekends off." Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and again, nothing happens with any kind of look at you know look at history anymore. So, yeah, I mean, it, it might have been a little ignorant. I, you know, I actually saw the clip of it. He was in a lime green suit, and I thought maybe he should have been fired for wearing that fucking suit, but not necessarily, not, not necessarily for what he said specifically. But, yeah, I was familiar with that story. So, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and I always just get a little bit, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but I just don't love, you know, push back on joking i mean again if this guy also you know who doesn't make that joke somebody who has a history of of fondling big-breasted women you know who doesn't make that joke is fucking uh harvey weinstein he's never gonna make that joke because he's a serial predator so obviously you're pretty clear conscienced to make that joke you know to pull that movie out so again if this guy has a history of sexual harassment or there's women that have come forward or something, then yeah, that then you're fucking done, of course. But I mean, I don't know. If Arthur's your favorite movie and you just pull this out on a silly TikTok and everybody's fine with it, and again, nobody actually got hurt, I really struggle with losing this job. Now, do you want to give him a couple weeks to think about it? or I don't know. I'm not saying if, uh, if you have to set a precedent at your company, you want to do a little something uh, to, to have him come out and apologize or whatever. I mean, I guess. But at the same time, I, it was obviously somebody that was having a good time in front of a camera for TikTok and not something he meant literally or endorsed. Exactly right. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I, I think that that was a bit of an overreach. But what, what are what's the boundaries now, Tristan? I mean, there is really no longer an overreach. I, I guess you can be you can be fired for almost anything. The pendulum has fully fully swung. I, I'd say from the days we right. were talking and, and, about, you know, some time back. And and maybe that's something that uh, you know would be a better conversation if we had a, a lady in here to. To set us straight. Now, maybe it's yeah, the history yeah. history of that Mad Men era that is why you can't make that joke anymore. Because women are sick of hearing that shit and go fuck yourself if you want a joke like that. And maybe, maybe that's where that's what I'm missing. That it's it, it's not funny anymore, and it's time to just fucking be serious. Maybe that's the now, case. Well, and, and that I'm could be. But once, yeah, you are. But once humor goes, I mean, you love comedy and comedians as much as anybody, man. And once you start restricting it. 
So would W.C. Fields be out of line, too? He used to say, you're only as old as the women you feel. <laughs> no, I mean, again, to me, <laughs> I, I understand. But if I don't know. if if So I guess the best way to look at that is you have to kind of make the joke at your offense. So if there's anything that kind of offends you a little bit, and then put that joke in that context. So obviously we're not offended by, you know, big-breasted women getting groped. I mean, obviously, again, if it's a serious situation, you and I would both be very offended if somebody was groped against their will. But again, do we have to sit and have this conversation to make a joke? Can't we just assume we're not rapists and laugh at a silly joke on on TikTok? Or uh, uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating, yeah, I mean, It's such I a guess. great question. It's, it's such a great question because... I suppose it all comes from positions of power, and that's the problem. And, and again, here we are, I think, attempting to see both sides of things, and, and people will see it as they see it, I suppose, and maybe we don't do the best job at representing it, though we think we may. But, yes, yeah, so, so, so those jokes are made, I suppose, from a position of power, which is what would piss off people who were taking it as being the object of the joke right so so i i get that but it's a little bit like ted cruz it's sort of the i guess the 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 other side of the coin from ted cruz making that comment about the most qualified judge when he doesn't really take into account that we're that that's fine in the vacuum of uh full equality but we're not there yet um that not everybody is a fucking rapist and a serial fondler. In fact, it's probably a tiny minority. And to your point, most of us would be greatly offended if we saw some guy doing that in a bar. We'd approach him. We'd call him out. We'd throw him out of the bar. We'd tell him not to come back. And yet, we can't laugh at that either because we have to be looking out for that guy kind of thing. Does that make sense? No, I think that's a great point. It's, I think, yeah, even good-natured people now you're kind of on such an edge that yeah even now if i watch a movie from 15 years ago even like the whole time i'm just cringing like ah you shouldn't have said that oh you can't say that anymore ah that's too far so i mean it's it's tough and i and i get that i mean we want to be that socially responsible person that's you know making good decisions and making sure people around us aren't uncomfortable but at the same time it is nice to just be able to laugh at you know all of ourselves and all of everybody else and just relax a bit sometimes relax a bit but i think and and i get that tristan somebody listening would say yeah you two don't get it you relax a bit you let your guard down and then that stuff comes through right we get that there's nothing wrong about working towards a better place but if that better place means that all humor is off is out of bounds i don't like that place i mean Irishmen can be the butt of jokes, and I, and I, I, I get it. I, I mean, I really do. We're, we're white men, and we've got a couple of bucks, and we're in a good place in society, and how dare you? It's easy for you. Right. I, I get that accusation. I do. But to me, Tristan, the people making that accusation have to define for me what they look at as the society that they want. And I don't think, with all due respect to, we're really, let's be honest, we're talking about progressives and quite far-left people here, I'm not sure they do that necessarily well. They can bitch about what's wrong with things, but what is their vision for what makes it right? And if that vision includes, well, everything, you can't offend anybody with a joke, well, sorry, uh, I, you know, I, I sound like Mar here, and which which makes sense to me because he and I see things so similarly. But I think this is his gripe often, right? 
Yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. And and I would say this, like some of the closest friendships I have, and I bet you would say the same thing, you know, are friends that don't look anything like me ethnically or religiously that I've been able to just absolutely obliterate them with jokes and <coughs> and also get that in return. And laugh, <coughs> excuse me, let me get a drink of water here. And laugh about it and hug each other and just be the best of friends. And I think that's, I don't know, is that sophomoric and immature? Of course it is. But that's uh, how men have related to each other for a really long time. It's the, you old black son of a bitch or you Jewish bastard, whatever. I mean, and I get how that could look to people not in that certain circle or that group. But I think that has to come from a place of safety, right? Like, if I... If I know I've got a black friend that's giving me a hard time for being Jewish or vice versa, I'm giving my black friend a hard time for being black and he knows I absolutely love him and and, and I wish him no ill will and we're, you know, it's all out of love. I think that matters. Just like I think if a comedian takes the stage and he's given his own uh, heritage a hard time or somebody else's heritage a hard time, I think it just also to me matters if there's hatred involved, it, it, does that sound hateful? Does that seem to be there just to offend? Or is it, look, we're having a good time. It's my turn now. It's your turn next. And, and it's coming from a place of love. And maybe I just sound like a, an idiot on the right that doesn't get it. And, and you know, I, I don't understand the nuance. And it's easy for me, like you said, as a middle-class white guy to sit there and say it's okay to make fun of anybody. Maybe it's not, man. Maybe that's just the world we're living in. But I, I definitely know in my personal life, in my experience, the friends that I have that don't look like me, when I get together with them and we're giving each other a hard time, nothing is more fun to me, you know, than, than doing that in a safe place with somebody that I know would jump in front of a car to save me. You know what I mean? I do. And I think that's a great point you make. And we maybe we're working our way through that as to what is acceptable and what is offensive and, you know, showing your card that you're not a serial rapist or a serial fondler or a serial grope or whatever the fuck. And, and, and then you are free to tell your jokes, which, you know, is I'm, I'm being a little bit tongue in cheek, but it is sort of we're in this place of flux right now where we haven't quite figured it out. We can all agree, as the point my brother made, that the Mad Men days weren't so great. We can laugh and say, oh, what happened to the good old days? But, you know, willfully slapping your secretary on the ass with no ramifications, not really great. Getting drunk every afternoon, no ramifications, you know, so on and so forth, right? So that was wrong. But now we don't want the pendulum to swing all the way over and make everything wrong. You know, you can't say anything, you can't make any joke. So I guess in a certain sense, societally, we're working our way through all this, and we certainly haven't come up with the answers yet. But I'll go back to what I said. I think it's incumbent upon the left. I I mean, look, it's part of the cultural divide. It's In fact, it's a huge part of these culture wars that are being fought because conservatives are saying all these fucking lefties are wacky and they want to change everything and they want to break society down, to which there is some merit to that argument. So it's incumbent upon the left to make, in my opinion, to make the argument as to what kind of a society they want to see. If you want to forge any common ground with these conservatives who right now find anybody with a D after their name or a progressive view just anathema. They just, I hate to use a word like hate, a little redundant, but they almost hate them. And part of the reason they do is because of these stances they're taking. Well, then, damn it, you've got to explain it. You can't just constantly beat people up and tell them that they're wrong for making these jokes, so on and so forth, without explaining 
what your goal is, what the end is. We get the means. We, we, we understand the means, but what's the end? Yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. I, I think, you know, something that, that I say a lot is nuance, and I just think there's a lot of nuance in so much of this stuff. I mean, it becomes, you know, <clears throat> again, not that I'm suggesting this is what we need to go back to, but in the 90s when hip-hop, uh, when gangster rap and everybody was listening to that, that music, there was a saying. It was, well, A or E-R. And I thought that was such a uh, – it said a lot because if you said the N-word with an A, you're an ally. If you said the N-word with an E-R, you're kind of clannish and you, you, it's, a, it's hatred. It's a hateful term. So, And we've got away from saying it with an A or that like, you know, that's not cool ever in any – you know, which is understandable. But I think that's sort of where we're going with jokes. Look – there's got to be some nuance in is this person like I think Bill Maher had a had, had an inward scandal four or five years ago. His history has always been nothing but yeah, yeah. he has been nothing but a guy that's right. you know been a, a proponent of right. the black community in in every aspect. So been supportive, yes, right. So been, he was supportive say, and proponent. You yeah. know what, Tristan, you're exactly right. And, yeah, no, go ahead, please. Well, no, but I, th- I think that has to matter, right? It, like, it, you're, how you feel about a group of people matters when you say certain things. Like, you know, you, you can't say the N-word ever with an ER if you hate black people, right? But if you're singing a rap song in the comfort of your house and somebody records you singing this rap song and you obviously are not a racist, look, I think that's a different thing. It's There, there has to be nuance. There, like... I think our side wants to make everything black and white. Man, are you eating a big handful of nuts right now? <laughs> uh, but, no, I but, actually took a couple of ibuprofen because I have a monstrous headache. Sorry. Oh, listen, from somebody that everybody that listens to me talk, everybody that hears me for 40 minutes is doing that same thing. So understandable. But no, I, I just think we, we, we do have to get to a place where every person that has said a bad word doesn't deserve to be canceled or, or shot down. And, and again, the N word's a powerful word. I get it. It, it. There's a lot of meaning there and a lot of, you know, you probably should never say it at this point, but there is a difference between somebody with a fucking white robe on saying that word as in get them versus some 19 year old kid right. singing a rap song, you know, and you love the black well, community or whatever. So again, I'm not saying that that makes it right, but I think there's a lot of nuance in what we say. I think, there was a lot of people that said the F word uh, that rhymes with bag in the 90s. And we people just didn't mean it in terms of I'm, I wanted to denigrate the homosexual community. It was just one of those things. It was just a, like saying cool. It was a word in pop culture at the time, as wrong as that is. And with the benefit of hindsight, seems so simple minded and ridiculous. But, you know, now the same people that would have said it in 1996 would never say it now because we get it now. There's homosexual representation we realize how offensive that was but again i don't know i'm I'm just i don't i don't like the idea of throwing the baby out with the bathwater on everything i like the idea that people who care about each other can can joke with each other even if it seems maybe offensive to other people now again does that mean you want to get on tiktok and say a bunch of words that you probably shouldn't say no you got to have common sense but at the same time i think we do have to know the difference between an actual racist and somebody that's maybe telling a joke or a funny anecdote or whatever. Like, the, there is a difference in, in those two things. 
Oh, there is. And, and, and I, again, I think that's where we find ourselves now, trying to work through that. And it is very confusing, and it is very frustrating. But to your point about Moore, I think that he did... Um, was able to mitigate some of the damage from that because he said, look, I think what he was talking about was historically, you know, the house N-word versus the field N-word, and he used that I ain't no house N-word or she isn't, whatever. And it, it was uh, it was very, you know, it, it got him in some trouble. It, it uh, You know, there were some people who wanted more than, you know, he probably was penalized for. But I think there were others who said, look, he, he may have misspoken. Um, but this is a guy whose history is such that, you know, you need to at least look at that and figure out he's not the guy you should be worried about, you know? Right. And I think there's a kind of a saying about p- people like what Mar did, you know, like he just got a little too comfortable. And I think that's fair. It's fair to say, man, he should have never said that word on national TV under any context. He got a little bit too comfortable in being somebody that's semi accepted in the black community. Um, but yeah, I mean, you still have to know who you are and, and what's appropriate. So I'm sure Mar would tell you he made a mistake and he absolutely did. But yeah, I think there's a big difference between saying somebody like Mar, who's spent his, his lifetime, you know, I'm sure at very least being very pro uh, equality and, you know, has had, you know, black girlfriends, etc. I mean, I, I don't know. Every time we have this conversation, everything just sounds so weird coming yes, out. Yes, he He's he's not the type of like he's look he's not going to be at the Klan rally and I think there's plenty of those people in real life that we all need to be worried about more so than some somebody that you know got a little too comfortable. When Seth MacFarlane, um, I guess uh, getting your um, star on the Hollywood Fame is like getting nominated to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or somebody who gives a speech on your behalf. And when Mar got his. Hollywood Hall of Fame star, or, uh, yeah, as Hollywood Hall of Fame star, his star on the on the Walk of Fame. Yeah, Seth MacFarlane did his did his speech, did his inauguration, and MacFarlane said, "Bill is a lot like Thomas Jefferson. He's really good with words, and he digs black chicks." <laughs> nice. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess it's a it's a, a better conversation to be had probably by with us and a few people that don't look like us and probably some, some more, some more, um, a better discussion to be had. But before uh, we get too far down on time, I've got uh, two more questions. I think we've got to talk about, I've got a Trump question for you and a Biden question for you. Which one do you want first? Uh, I'll take the Biden question. All right. So, so Biden referenced a dead lady this week, big deal or no deal. Yeah. That was, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, that was not, that, that was not his shining moment. Yeah, it was, I mean, Fox News obviously took it further probably than it needed to be. They're still talking about it. But I mean, it was, it was not by any means his best moment. Yeah. Well, my thought on that is, look, I think that's kind of cable news fodder. I mean, again, Biden falling off a bicycle, Trump walking up the ramp with toilet paper on his foot. Uh, Donald Trump saying that uh, in the civil, not the civil war, but in the revolutionary war, how we took the airports back. Look, these guys are going to say some dumb stuff. And again, if you put a camera on me or you for seven hours a day, and we're not 80 plus years old, but look, if we have a camera on us seven hours a day, 
you can, you're going to be able to take six or seven sentences throughout the course of the day. You're like, what the fuck were you talking about? <laughs> like, oh yeah, I just lost my train of thought or man, I was just rambling or, or whatever. So look, I think that's one of the dumbest things generally to hold a politician to a, a, a faux pas or like you say the wrong word or you get a little bit confused in a speech just because I think that's going to happen to anybody. I don't know that we have a, had a podcast yet. You know, and there are 45 minutes where I haven't got completely lost in a train of thought and thought, oh my God. And I listen back and I think, oh, that was not the best. So again, I don't think it was a big deal. I mean, fine, make fun of them. The late night talk show should have a field day. It, it's one of those type things, but I don't think that should be, you know, should cost Biden or Trump a vote if, uh, you know, if you're going by only just the things they say and they mess something up that's obviously factually inaccurate. Well, for Fox, it played into a narrative, a particular narrative that's been going on since 2019, which is that Joe is addled and drooling. And, you know, so it plays into that narrative for them. So from that standpoint, you know, never let an opportunity pass you by if you're Sean Hannity. You know, so 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 that's that. But, yeah, I would tend to agree with you 100 percent. Yeah, in the but, grand scheme of things, yeah, it's a moment that they can have some fun with, but it really doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot, or shouldn't. Yeah. So okay, on the heels of that, there was a poll after the uh, New York Attorney General uh, released that they were going to go after some, uh, I guess, some ich- issues with the with Donald Trump's company because he has been overstating the value of his properties to be able to borrow and attain more money to purchase more things, which is very, very illegal. So there's an investigation now going into that. And they did a poll. There was a national poll after that was released. And in that poll, I wish I would have written down uh, what the poll was, but yeah, I should double check that. But the poll said more people than not, said Trump, based on everything we know now, should be disqualified from running for office ever again. And that was, again, you know, 34% say he should not, 33% say he should, you know, the rest of them were indifferent, whatever. But is that a big deal that more people in this particular poll think that he should be disqualified from running again? Or is that also a no deal because who knows about polls? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for me. I'm obviously people who don't want to who want to cite that as a reason for him not to run. Simply don't want him to run. It's just hard for me to imagine this country with Donald Trump as president again. I mean, goodness gracious, for so many reasons. Um, you know, they just need to get him out. And you know what? If it's this guy DeSantis, it goes to your point. You know, uh, he's probably not going to get my vote, but he's certainly a very brilliant, a very bright man. He's very erudite. He represents himself well. And, uh, he, you know, we can put up with him for four years. I don't think it's going to be four Trump-like years, you know, or perhaps eight years. But, um, you know, and, I, and I'd even make a point about that. You know, MSNBC is trying to beat DeSantis up for what he didn't do prior to this hurricane. Man, the hurricanes are fluid situations. I mean, I don't think Ron DeSantis wanted to lose any lives intentionally in Florida. I'm not so sure beating him up is the right thing to do. But by the same token, I've only seen DeSantis appear on Fox News. He's never gone on CNN or MSNBC. So, like, those fucking lines are now just so drawn and divided, it's it gets disheartening. Yeah, you would like to see these people kind of cross over. And I guess that's why I still do enjoy... 
Yeah, and I think you should. I think Mar says that a lot. Like, look, come on my show. Come on some of these shows. That Look, the best way you're going to reach people in the middle or people that disagree with you, I mean, go change some minds. That's what politicianing and politicking is all about, right, is, you know, trying to get people to vote for you as a candidate, not just get your base or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think I think really to me, what politics are are, are are the is is the art of 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 trying to get things done, is the art of accomplishing things, and we've and we've lost sight of that um, to replaced by you know making my point above all others and beating the other guy to death, and the other guy has to be wrong because he's got an R after his name, or he has to be wrong, or she has to be wrong. Because she's got a D after her name, and that's the end of the discussion. That's not politics. That's just narrow-minded foolishness. Now, that said, Tristan, Biden and DeSantis, yeah, it's stupid. The Biden and DeSantis are together today. You know, these fucking natural disasters are the time where people do get together. Uh, but they're meeting today, and it's very cordial. And Biden is going to give all support he can to... Uh, the people of Florida, and it's not going to be political. Although I will throw this in there just as a little dig. When DeSantis was Congressman Ronald DeSantis in 2012, when Hurricane Sandy hit New York and New Jersey, he was one of 96 Republican congresspersons to vote against aid to New York and New Jersey. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> that is pretty ironic. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this too, like, listen, you're probably going to pull Ron DeSantis's record and I'm probably going to agree with maybe 15 or 20% of his vote. But I think to me, the most important thing moving forward for anybody that wants to be president of the United States, we need people that can accept winning and people that can accept losing on both sides. Look, I'm never again going to complain about a shitty right-wing politician because I disagree with his stance on stem cells. Look, I, we may disagree, but I'm never going to lose sleep over it because I mean, having saw, having seen what, you know, what this MAGA crowd has done in January 6 and Trump not admitting that he lost, man, that is so dangerous for this country. And I, and I hope on neither side, we never see that again. I hope the, the peaceful transfer of power always continues. And it's all we can hope for. Yeah. All right, my friend, I need well, to head on. I know you do as well. You got uh, anybody written in this week? You know what? Ironically enough, I did not check uh, our actual uh, oh, reviews, no? okay. but I would like to invite people well, to leave fine. some. No reviews. Yeah, what I did. No reviews, we were, no top 10 list. Oh, okay. We'll, well have I to make it up next time. No, well, you, you're putting words in my mouth. I do have a top 10 list. So oh, I was nice. I was actually putting together a top 10 list. I had about an hour left before we were going to do the show when you messaged and said, hey, let's go ahead and do the show. So this is what happened. I actually have a pretty damn good top three list because that's as far as I got before we jumped okay. on to do the show today. So and again, I think if next week, if we know what time we're going to do the show, I'll, I'll, I'll have something prepared for the show. So I do have good. a bad wolf gaming. Top three list. So thanks, Dan. Top uh, three list. Top three list. We appreciate you guys, and we look forward to getting back in your studio, hopefully for the show next week. Uh, like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, like to thank, uh, let's see, everybody that's ever listened to our show, please, again, send in a review. And this is top three. You've, if you've been following this Herschel Walker stuff, I wish we could have talked a little bit more about yeah. this today, too. But uh, he is very right-wing on abortion, very, very pro-life with no exceptions. And ironically enough, it just came out that he has definitely had an abortion. Uh, so 
Here are top three excuses by Herschel Walker uh, for having a previous abortion. Number three. Okay. I was really good at football. Number two. I like it. Thanks. Number two. OJ did it. And number nice. the number one uh, reason extremely pro-life uh, Herschel Walker had an abortion. Number one, fucking CTE. <laughs> so listen, that, that was I had now. Four, let's be clear. He paid for an abortion. He he didn't have an abortion. No, he did. He, did he actually? I read he actually had it. That's what CNN said. He had the abortion himself out of his penis. Yeah, they're saying he. <laughs> Oh, he actually had it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So, yeah, guys. So, I do apologize. I will uh, put a little something together for next week. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't have time, and I had started no, doing Lord. that just before we, we jumped on air here to do the show. So, yeah, apologies for the top three list. But would like to thank Dan and Nasa Badwell. Thanks uh, to my buddy Aaron, who I will see tonight uh, for, with with Berea Pond, BuckshotandLead.com at 107 Clay Drive in Berea. And uh, he's got to start listening again. I don't think he's listened in a while. So, we're letting him down somehow. Has he not? Uh, yeah, he said he's not listening yeah. to a show in well, several weeks. It's I pretty, understand. Pretty weak. But uh, yeah, so th- thanks to uh, thanks to Troy mm. for all your help at uh, Front Porch Studios. Thanks to Nate, of course, uh, at Stoveleg Media, and uh, we appreciate everybody. And Ray, you got a joke for us today? Yeah, I can tell a quickie since we're we're getting uh, a little long winded. What do poker players do in art school, Trisden? do poker players do in art school man no idea they draw cards oh nice (laughs) (laughs) pretty good it's cute pretty pretty good i don't pull all right my friend great thanks man pleasure as always we will uh see you next week and thank you to everybody sounds great take care thanks tristan Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.